Welcome to the Family Biz Show. According to Family Enterprise USA, family businesses in the U.S. account for over 64% of GDP and employ 62% of the workforce. In other words, they are the backbone of our economy. But success doesn't come easy. Only 13% are operating in the third generation. The Family Biz Show is here to help. Listen in weekly to hear stories from other family businesses and industry thought leaders so that you and your family not only survive, but thrive. Well, welcome everybody to the Family Biz Show. My name is Michael Columbus from Family Wealth and Legacy here in Rochester, New York. And welcome. Um, today we have a really great show for you. Um, I'm really, really happy to introduce all of you to people that I've known for a number of years, um, Raj Shaw and Kimberly Miller-Wilborn. Uh, welcome, both of you. How are you? How are you? Thank you. Good. Thank you. I am well. So um, the way I know both of you is through the, the Family Business Forum here in Rochester, which um, when I was in the thick of things with, you know, my dad, um, that was very helpful for me to be around. Um, and I really appreciate the fact that you guys not, you know, have gone in and out of the family business, out and in, however you want to call it, as we call this episode, the Tours of Duty. So for you, the Family Business Forum, regardless of whether you're in the business or out of the business, that's been a mainstay for both of you. So that's interesting and fun. What I, what I wanna do is just kind of dive in and have each of you take a moment and tell, share your journey. How did you get to where you are today? And uh, Raj, since you're on top, I'm gonna start with you, if you don't mind. Sure, yeah, no problem, it's funny how where you end up on the screen, right? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, so I, I was in a family business for 25 years. I, um, my, dad, my dad was a, a kind of in the Xerox career path and he got laid off in 1976 and bought a little company called Executone in Rochester, New York. And I was um, living with my mom in Michigan. Um, early on, even in summers, I, I recall, um, because I always liked the technical side of the business and I had a technical bent to it that I would kind of come in and hang around the, the techs and the guys and sort of check out the business. And that evolved, you know, if, you know, I get to 15, a real work permit and kind of work for a, a summer and get to go out with the guys. And that was a lot of fun. And they seemed to have some trust in me. I recall um, weekly volleyball games and beer and being instructed not to talk to my dad before I went to bed. <laughs> so year over year, um, you know, I sort of knew that this is what I wanted to do. And I, um, I went off to, to college. And then when I got out of college, I had a job waiting for me, which was kind of nice. Um, back in the family business. So that's what I did. And my dad took me through a series of roles and jobs that he felt would be important for me to succeed him, whether or not I liked the roles or not. Um, he kind of saw fit. And then uh, 25 years later, after being the CEO for I guess it would have been uh, probably four years, sort of made that decision that it was time to sell the business. And um, we did that and I expected to stay with the successor business and ownership and 
that made it, um, as Kim knows well, I made it seven weeks and uh, I said goodbye and started my own business. So I'm kind of seven years into Convergent and we're still in, still in telecom. So I feel like I have never left that industry, but sort of have my own family business since I now, um, I work with my wife. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Kim, tell us about yourself. I was reminiscing just last night. Uh, my dad started uh, Mike in an industry similar to yours. He owned a brokerage business. And when I was in like first grade, maybe, I would go in on Saturdays and do the filing because by then I knew my ABCs. And uh, he sold that original business when we were pretty young. Uh, ultimately, we'd go back into it, but along the line, along the timeline, acquired a steel heat treating business and some commercial real estate and just a bunch of different things. So I have the same memories of somehow always being plugged in. Uh, I, I remember being in that library and doing the filing and earning my what, however many dollars a Saturday. Uh, I, my story is a little different in that, well, I've done three tours. So I've been in the business out of the business, back in the business, and I've been in different parts of the business. Uh, came out of college, wanted to get a graduate degree, had a couple of job offers, but none that dovetailed with going to school. So joined in a project management capacity, um, moved over to the brokerage side for a season, and then ultimately ran the steel heat treating business uh, for a time. So I've done a bunch of different things, did an interim CEO gig at one point. And each time I've left, there's been good reasons for leaving. And each time I came back, there were good reasons for joining. Uh, I think in terms of where I'm now positioned, all that experience is just a blessing. And there's no better way to put it. I learned something in every role I had, in every space that I got to sit in, and now I run a company that does organizational transformation. We have a pretty strong focus on finances, but we do mostly people work and family businesses are very unique. Great, well, welcome. I appreciate both of you being here today. Um, I, you know, we titled the show Tours of Duty in the Family Business because you know, we each realized, and Kim, you really pointed it out that, you know, being in and out and Raj, you know, was in the family business, then the business is sold, you know, so there's many, there's many other people out there that, you know, the family business is, I think you said this, Kim, a season for them, right? There, there's different seasons and different times in their life. And I think it's important to talk about that a little bit because, um, you know, these things happen for us, not to us, it, to make us who we are and whatnot, but not every family member sees it that way. Would you agree with that statement? I certainly would. Do you, you want to, you, do you want to take that, you know, take that ball and run with it a little bit? I'm, I'm chuckling a little bit because actually where I get concerned, so about a third to half of the business that we do as a company at Solution Partners focuses on either family owned, closely held, or some combination thereof. And actually one of my markers of concern is when people say to me, like I'm with the business 32 years and I've pretty much done the same thing the whole time. And 
the thing that I would encourage somebody young and coming into the business is you can't do the same thing for 35 years and probably you might be able to stay healthy, but you maybe have a better perspective if you could get some variety. So what's that season look like? What's that plan you have for professional development that has a five to 10 year window? Or are you going to look back in 40 years and say, yeah, this is pretty much what I've done all the time. Gotcha. And for Raj, it was different for you where, like you said, you were when you got your, your, your real work permit and started working there, that industry was a, a love for you all the way through. And even though the business was sold and you're not in the business any longer, that's still what you're doing. You're right. I'm you're still, right do, back I'm still doing it. Yeah. But if you, so, can I just ask a question? Can't, I mean, you and I know each other well enough. Don't you look back and I won't mention any of the decades we talk about uh, and date us, but you know, don't you think you've grown a tremendous amount, like the industry has changed? Well, for sure. I mean, it's completely evolved. I mean, I, would, I was going to also say, I, you know, I wish, you know, while I love the business and I'm obviously I'm still in it, um, kind of, I, I, I call it my back to the future nightmare that I'm, I, I'm, I'm in now. But I think um, and my dad actually encouraged me to do this and I just didn't do it. I, you know, working for another company way back when I think would have been really valuable for me just to see how other people did things versus um, the way that our company did things. And, and you know, my dad was, is um, incredibly talented, a, a great marketing guy and really good at what he does. It would just, it would have been good to see a different perspective of that. And that's, um, that is one regret I do have looking back and we can call it the dumb nineties, Kim, the dumb decade. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You know, I, you know, it makes an awful lot of sense that, you know, especially when you're young, that, you know, and you're liking what you're doing, it's really easy to skip that step of taking time away from the business. That is, and, and, and working for somebody else, that is one of the keystones when we're working with family-owned businesses that, you know, we look at the employment policy and we hope by generation three, you know, that, that, that they put that employment policy in place and said, you must work someplace else so that you can, it does two things. One is it gives you that, that separate look of how another business is doing things, but you also may learn some really good habits that, the, that your, your family business hasn't implemented yet. And so you can also get good data and good information and good systems and processes and bring them back to the family business to help kind of, you know, make them better, faster, stronger, right? So one of you guys, you know, together, it was the two of you started the Family Business Forum in Rochester. And um, I just want to talk about, you know, have you talk about that for a bit um, in your perspectives about, you know, one, how long ago did you start the Family Business Forum? What were some of the, the highlights? What were some of the things that, you know, that helped you to navigate all of the different seasons, we'll call them, as you were going through your careers and your lives over the, you know, the last bunch of years together. Kim, do you want to dive into that first? Well, the group has certainly existed for uh, a good chunk of time. I, there's so many things that come to mind. I, I think about um, having, being in the family business and having you know, parents or aunts, uncles, siblings, 
who've been there longer and they're accomplished and getting into a, a business group that really focused on family business helped me feel less isolation because it gave me people to talk to who could relate to those unique things of the family business. And uh, so much uh, like building trust and thinking about, you know, I went into work the other day and crazy Uncle Joe did this, what do I do with that? It, it was just a real form for me as a, as a young professional who was maybe just like a year or two out of college, brand new to Rochester, in terms of coming back home to the business world and thinking like, ah, I, I need to meet people. I need to connect. And I, I think the group has really helped us work through and talk about, at least certainly helped me, especially because I think in the group, I passed through two of my tours of duty. So, you know, talking about, I, I think it's time for me to go. What does that look like? And they ask really hard questions. I'm not going to lie. It's, sometimes it's not fun being on the hot seat. How did the, Raj, how, how did the group form? How did you guys start? What was the, the makeup of it in the beginning? Well, I feel like it started back in 96 or so. Um, Kim and I, and I think Don Tobin, back in, back in the day. I think it started through the, we started through the chamber. It's kind of an offshoot. Um, you know, I think we'd all talked about, you know, how different family businesses are and it doesn't fit in the, you know, the, the chamber at the time had a number of different groups. They had a CEO roundtable. That doesn't really fit us. They had a, um, I don't know, a manager's forum, which I, yeah. I was in that too. And well, that was, well, they're both good groups, um, also didn't necessarily fit, you know, the fan, the uniqueness of a family business. So we started talking and it, it all came together nicely. And, um, Turns out there are a lot of family businesses in the Rochester area. So um, lots of interest, um, lots of excitement in it. I mean, not for me, I mean, I was like, once we did, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm really not alone, right? There's, there's all these other people that, are, that, that, that do this in the family business. And I would always wonder, you know, one of my things was, um, you know, how is it possible that I, I'm, I'm in my dad's office getting chewed out for 30 minutes for something? And then I go back to my office 10 minutes later, he calls, oh, you want to go to dinner? Um, no, I don't want to go to dinner. I don't want to talk to you again for the next two days. But it's things like that that, you know, other people experience the same way. It, it sort of helped us, help me figure out like, okay, well, you know, how do you, how do you sort of distance yourself or separate, separate the emotions of the two, the two things. Um, we had members like Ray Isaac, who always used to make me feel good. I don't know, Kim, what did he have? 10, 11, 12, 14 family members? Right. 13. It, I, I, it, is, it is actually in my brain the first meeting ever that Ray Isaac came to, and I was feeling really stretched by, you know, the number of family members in the business and uh, the dynamics of it, and Ray Isaac sat down and said, hi, I'm Ray Isaac from Isaac Heating and Cooling, and there are 13 Isaacs, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Ray's been a guest on the show, so this is you know, all of that group um, has really been helping me to form the Family Biz Show. So I appreciate that. Nobody's um, ever beaten his number, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> not, not yet. Um, you know, that's it, what's really interesting about what you're saying is that there wasn't a formal group when you started. And, and I think it's really important for people to understand that, you know, they're not alone. 
and they do need a group that understands these dynamics and goes through these things. And it'll be a different experience for everybody, right, Kim? I mean, I see your, your go ahead. And I, you're absolutely right. And the, I, what I appreciate most about our group, besides longevity, we have had people graduate, that would be you. We've had people stick around past family business, but there's a real sense of commitment and it's a, it's a non-selling, non-competitive, really focused group on just the camaraderie, the support, all those things that go into those words, trusted advisor, and it is really important. And I, I get from time to time invitations to see other groups in action, and it makes me realize that there is something special about being in a family business. And not that it isn't great to connect with other CEOs or you know, correct, connect with industry groups, but there is something unique and it is fun to uh, talk about, well, you know, I got chewed out for 30 minutes and you know, 20, 20 minutes later, we're talking about, so who's hosting Thanksgiving? Well, it isn't gonna be me because I'm not feeling like I wanna spend time with anybody. <laughs> I love it. And and again, I, I'm going to reiterate for a third time, there may be, you know, family business centers, you know, through local universities that you can, you can tap into for one of these groups. There may be, you know, other facilitated things by, you know, whether it's a, a financial advisor or a, a family therapist, there may be facilitated groups, but your group was non-facilitated by a professional. It was just a group of family business members, family, family businesses that, you know, you had membership in a family business and you just chose to get together and you worked it out. You know, it's, it's that time of just asking each other's questions, putting a hot seat together. What are you going through? And then everybody brainstorming, right? It's a lot of individual ownership. Yeah. And in a group uh, the size of ours to show up and say nothing. Would you agree? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so when you're talking about working inside of a family business, you know, you, Raj, you've spent years working with your father. How does that shape you? Well, yeah, I, I gave it a lot of thought. Um, and again, it was like, he, my, my dad is always on 24 seven about the business. So everything, I mean, anywhere you would go, you know, with driving down the road, he'd say, Oh, well, that's our customer here. That's our customer here. And why aren't there a customer? He'd just get, he'd, he'd make a phone call and, and call the sales manager. How come, how come we haven't been in there? Who's the salesperson? But it's always, I mean, we could be at dinner, we could be at breakfast, we could be home, we could be anywhere, but he's always, he was always thinking about it. So it, and probably to this day, to my wife's dismay, right? I'm kind of the same way because I'm always sort of thinking about things and ideas. And I, I'm not sure you get that outside of a family business. It's just one of those things, you know, when, when, we, when we did go to those great dinners, those days that I didn't get chewed out, you know, we would we'd have great conversations about strategy and maybe people and, and things, but it was something that was always, I don't know, it was like always there. And perhaps we needed more hobbies, but our, our hobby was the business. So... It, it, it really shaped my work ethic and, um, you know, making that business successful, like at all costs. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because both of you had first generation 
fathers that were, you know, that, that, that typical entrepreneur, a type driver personality, you know, and, um, you'll, you'll laugh about this. We just had a family meeting, um, to just talk about mom and dad's estate plan and, and put some things together. And part of that is we brought in a professional, um, that does the disc personality. We're, we're trying to work through, you know, who is everybody and get communications working a little bit more open and whatnot. So long story short, my father takes the disc and of course he's got to be a high D and everyone in the room, when he shares his disc profile, when he's not a high D, we're like, how in the world are you not a D? It doesn't make any sense. That is, you know, you, you cheated the system. <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, what, you know, for him, you know, what we talked about, we talked about this with the specialist was that, you know, as a business owner, his persona is takes on the D but that's not his natural. And now that he's retired, he's, re he's gone back into what is the natural persona for him. Kind of interesting. So Kim, how does how do you feel the, the family business can shape you through the years? I think about two things. So, uh, I was laughing. Uh, I had to sit down with uh, a partner at one of the accounting firms to talk about a client's financial statements before we finalized. So we did that Friday. And somehow it came up, we, we got on an offshoot and I was like, listen, I can still tell you exactly where we were on East Avenue. I was 14 years old. We were driving home from the office. Now think about that. I was 14. It must've been, it was snowy. So maybe it was like February break. I had gone in to work my one or one and a half days to earn some money doing filing. And my dad on East Avenue said, reach in the back and grab that folder. I think it's time you start learning how to read tax returns. And I can still remember reading tax returns. So driving home in the car, he'd be explaining things to me. And from a shaping standpoint, I certainly was blessed with a tremendous amount of technical knowledge and strategic conversation and, and very practical, implementable, things that I go back to all the time. From a strictly character perspective, I would agree with Raj. I mean, work ethic, when you, we own a family farm, we have businesses, like you just don't escape it. It's always there. It's, it's kind of the, in our case, fifth child. Yeah. I'm the oldest of four, the businesses, the responsibilities, they're that, that last seat at the table. Okay. That's, it's interesting. We just uh, did a family picnic on Sunday and, you, you know, dad and I sit down next to each other and he's retired. And he's like, Ooh, tell me about what's going on with this one and, and what's happening over here. And just, it is that natural conversation. Um, I find it sometimes I, my wife pokes me to remind me, you don't always have to talk about business, Michael. There are other things that people are interested in. I'm like, it is so hard to turn off, right? You know, um, that's great. I, I, I think that it's really interesting, you know, how the dynamics of family, um, here, here's one real quick, you know, Kim, your mom, was she involved in the businesses? <laughs> My dad would tell you that it's because of my mom that he left uh, the company that he worked for and started his own business. 
So my mom was actually the majority shareholder to qualify to be a woman-owned business. And she did a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but she was never really truly in the office. Uh, but my dad would tell you straight up, she was always the reason that he went into business because she could manage a budget down to a penny and that kind of thing. But she wasn't. And Raj, you had mentioned that you, your mom was in a different space or whatnot. My mom, and the reason I brought it up is because I think about my mom as that CEO, the chief emotional officer. And I remember, you know, many, many conversations with mom where you sat there and said, ah, I just don't know if I can deal with him anymore. And she, well, your father this or your father that. And she would, you know, kind of do smooth out the edges many, many times. Um, through your family, Kim, did you have that experience? Well, that, that was definitely my mom. Uh, she was, she was a uh, social worker by training and definitely the chief emotional officer. And I would uh, put her definitively in charge of negotiations and compromise. <laughs> She'd work the crowd over here and work the crowd over there and, you know, feather the things going on. Uh, I also give her credit, and to your point about even with dad being retired, defaulting back to that workspace conversation, uh, it did really become apparent that there were times when we had this fifth child at the dinner table. And a uh, little trivia detail, I grew up, my mom was very European in her approach. So she shopped every day, cooked the dinner, and we did not eat dinner as a family till everyone was home which meant that on an average night, we ate somewhere between like 7.45 and 8.30. And on a bad night, we ate dinner at like 9.15. And she, was, she would feed us a snack at four when we were little, but that was pretty much my experience straight through. And I just remember hitting an age where she instituted, we are not talking about work. We're done. You know, if, if there was something that sort of was in the conversation as everybody was getting settled, fine. But then that was off the table and she had all sorts of tricks she'd pull out of her, her pockets to keep the conversation going and, and get us talking about things other than work. And I think as I've reflected getting ready for today, that's something I hadn't really thought about before that, that is really cool, that she really pushed us to have outside interests and have a different perspective on the world. And I don't think it was always easy because I think she spent a lot of time lassoing my dad and pulling him back to the, the ground rules. That's great. I mean, that's, that's very insightful on her part. Probably a lot of that training that she had beforehand to know that there's more than one aspect to the lives that we live. So good. Um, we talked about the fact that it takes a village to run a family business. And Kim, those were your words, but Raj, you know, through the years, you've been part of a village with the family business form, and I'm sure there's been other places. What was your, you know, what was your village and who were the people that impacted you as you were going through, you know, working in the family business? Oh, well, that's a good one. Um, yeah, because most of my impact, from the business is really my dad, right? It's where I did lots of learning. But as far as, um, yeah, as far as my village, I, I 
would feel like I really didn't have a great village um, until this group was formed. Um, honestly, it was, I felt really alone in the business because it was like, you know, it's kind of lonely at the top, right? And I, I think even more so when you're in this family dynamic. So it, for me, so I guess the family business form came, what, eight years after I joined the business full time, thank goodness. Um, but that was probably it for me. You know, some good, good, um, lots of good discussion, made good friends in that group that are still there today. Um, Kim, you and I bounce all kinds of things off of each other and um, that's invaluable. I love it. You know, and that's, you know, you did find your village through the Family Business Forum um, and eight years without it, you know, like you said, it, it made a big difference when you went in there. I remember, you may or may not remember, but I was in Syracuse when I started in practice with my father. And so even though we were in different cities, you know, we, we still had this, some kind of a, just that strange father-son dynamic of, you know, how good are you doing? You know, he, he cast a very large shadow, both in the community and in the business world. And so it was, you know, for me, starting in a whole other city was really nice. I joined the family business group there that also it was a, an offshoot of the chamber in Syracuse. And I just remember having those conversations that, you know, that helped you to get through to say, I'm not crazy. It's not just me as I'm going through these things. So that's, uh, it, yeah, again, if it, the biggest takeaway from this podcast that you're listening to right now is that if you're in a family business, and you're not part of a family business group, a family business forum, start one. And it's just, you know, you call your local chamber or just, you know, just do family business and put the name of the city that you're in and you'll find all the other people that list themselves as family businesses and make those calls. And you only need one other person to start. Yeah. I talk to yourself. I don't recommend it all the time, particularly if you start answering yourself. But you don't need 30 people in a room. And I will say that one of the things that I think in any business group or any group where you're going to get into really difficult conversations that makes it effective is you have to have some size management to it. So if you have one person that you can be completely authentic with, uh, start there and see if you can find two more over the next year. Yeah. And, and the challenge with that, and whether that's a family business or any, I was thinking about, you know, women's business groups, the challenge with that is the word authentic, I think. Um, so often, and I'm thinking of real world for a moment now of people I've crossed paths with that, you know, they're attracted to the larger family business group because maybe they don't have to share as much information or they think it'll be a good networking opportunity or there's just something out there. If you're really feeling like you're on an island and you need a few people in your tribe or your village, you probably need to find a few people that you trust enough to really say, oh my gosh, I love dad to pieces, but right now working with him sucks. Yeah. And, and thus, like you said, uh, you know, why it takes a village. You need to be able to bounce things off of other people that understand what you've been going through. Um, Raj, I want to, you know, shift it over to you for just a second. What was it like for you when your 
the CEO of the company and dad sells the bit, you know, dad sold the business. How would that, how much, how involved in that conversation were, were you and how did that go? Do you mind sharing? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was my idea. Okay. Frankly. I, I saw it as, um, I saw, you know, that our industry going in a direction that was, you know, we'd be better off being acquired by a larger company and that, that came to fruition. Um, my dad fought me every step of the way and felt like, um, no, you're wrong. It's telecom is alive and well and good. And um, we just need to do this and that it's despite, you know, struggles in the industry and kind of the handwriting on the wall. So yeah, I think he's, I think he's still pissed at me today, Mike, honestly, um, that sold his business, even though, you know, he was 75 when that business that that deal closed in July of um, 2013. It's probably the best thing that ever happened to me, but it was, it was, it was trouble. But so then fast forward to my idea or not, my idea was not to leave the business. Um, it was to stay. I felt, I genuinely felt it was a good opportunity for me to larger business, other, other vendor opportunities, structure, um, and so on. But, you know, what really happened over the course of the next several weeks is I got tossed into a corner, just kind of solo. Um, my title was stripped and, I was just expected to generate revenue in a, in the federal market sector, which it was just, it was crazy. It was a, and again, since I've never worked anywhere before, but I, I find out after the fact that this happens to a lot of people, right? When they sell a business and they expect to stay in it, it generally doesn't work out that way, but I made it all seven weeks and, um, you know, we, the uh, company bought us was shocked. Um, very unhappy, um, ended up suing me, suing my dad, held, withheld final payments, et cetera, et cetera. It all got worked out about a year later and everything's good. But, uh, but uh, yeah, interesting. But, you know, I had no, I had no, um, no idea what it was going to be like. Sure. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it, there's a, there's an author out there that I'm a, friends with, uh, Tom Dean. I don't know if you ever saw his book. It's called Every Family's Business. And it's just interesting because, you know, what you brought up, um, Raj, is the fact that you were the one that, you know, came up with the idea of we really need to be thinking about selling for all the right reasons. You know, it was the market's changing, you know, do we want to change with the market? Are we big enough to be able to handle the change? And that's one of the things that Tom, you know, says in his book, and I just, I push people all the time is that, you know, every couple of years, you really need to be asking each other, should we be selling? And, and, if, you, and if you don't want to sell, do you, know, do you want to buy? And, and if we're not having that conversation on a regular basis, then it, you know, it's that going back to authentic, like Kim said, we're not being authentic with each other and that's really causes friction. It's, I think of it as the, what next strategy, right? That might be succession or some other form of transition. It might be an exit strategy that involves selling. But if you're not having that conversation about, do I really want to be here? And I will say that when I left tour of duty number two, uh, I'd been running the steel heat treating business for just about five years, uh, four and a half or thereabouts. I'd had a really ambitious strategic plan for five years. We'd done everything that I wanted to do. I knew what came next and I had zero interest, 
zero. And I knew that the best thing for the business was for me to make a shift. And I, I have such vivid memories of that process and that conversation. And, and my dad really rejecting this idea that like, no, no, I'm not kidding. I know what needs to happen next and I'm not interested. You know, it's going to be a very quality focused, um, very technical, all the things that, that I really love, we've gotten our arms around. This is going to be a great mission, but I am not the general to lead us into battle for that mission. And no joke, Mike, five hours at the conference table, we'd go around in circles. And then we'd get to a certain point and I'd be like, and here are my three non-negotiables. And he'd be like, no, no. And we go around again. It just, it, I think it's hard, but you're right. You got to check in because hopefully we're not so static that everything just stays the same forever. Yeah. But it's a hard conversation. Agreed. And, and, and it sounds, both of you, without using the words, it sounds like, you know, in your head, you were looking at the SWOT analysis of the business and, you know, what are the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, and know that there's some things in front of you, you know, of where you were going and what you were doing, but the generation that was controlling the businesses at the time, for the most part, weren't in agreement with that SWOT analysis. And there again is that cognitive dissonance, you know, and that friction that you know, we, we try to avoid by open dialogue and communication. Um, that's uh, it, it's interesting, very, very interesting that, you know, you could, that you both were, had the emotional intelligence to see, you know, the difference um, between where you were and what needed to happen or, you know, where you were going. Good for you. Um, when we look at, you know, it, we've talked about family business forums and, and the importance of making sure that you're part of one. Um, you know, I would throw one of the things that we're starting probably in the next, well, we put a date on the calendar of when it's going to start, but we're going to do a family business book club for people that maybe don't have the, you know, they can do a meeting a quarter. And so we can read a book and then everybody get together about it. And then that to spur those conversations and spur those things and kind of the, um, you know, the, the, the interim, I would call it before you j jump into a family business forum. Um, is there through the years, and I, I didn't ask, I didn't prep this one, but any books or anything that you read where you sit there and say, even going back, looking at my career, these are two or three of the books that really made an impact and made it made life better for me. And, and, and no is a perfectly good answer because I did not ask you that before we, we got on. So many books for me. I'm a huge reader, so so many come to mind. We read, we've read a lot in our group. Um, so the two that come to mind that we've read in Family Business Forum that I thought were exceptional, uh, Small Giants, which is a wonderful book. And um, if you happen to love Zingerman's in Ann Arbor, the book is even more meaningful because they're one of the 10 companies uh, spotlighted. Yep. Um, oh, Burlington, right? What's that? Bo Burlington. Is that the author? I... Oh, that's a great question. I'm blanking for a minute. That, okay. Small giants. I have the book because of you, so thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, that might be it. I can't remember. Uh, the other one is we read, uh, which I thought was really interesting as a group, 
we read um, the Ritz-Carlton book, which is like the gold standard. Uh, I, so many books that I've loved. Leaders Eat Last, you know, the Simon Sinek book. Um, uh, a very interesting one as uh, someone of faith, um, Jesus as CEO, which was a great, interesting model. Uh, just a lot of servant leadership books, I think, have been really transformative. Great, Raj. Anything come to mind for you? Not so much for me. I'm not a not uh, not a big reader, but the Ritz Carlton book that Kim had brought up was um, really an eye opener for me. I like enjoyed it very much. Good. Um, when we talk about you know into and through the family business was something that we that we mentioned when we got together in the in our prep. What does that, you know, what does that mean for you when we talk about into and through the family business? Oh, come on, don't you want to go first? No. <laughs> she who speaks first loses. <laughs> oh, I guess for me, at the end of the day, I had three really distinct tours of duty. I loved every one of them. Uh, they were great in the moment. They generally aged really well in terms of the experience that I think I've got. Uh, there were hard moments. Leaving, for me, leaving the family business, um, you know, kind of a funny joke, but uh, so I'm the oldest of four. I have a sibling uh, who left the business during my second tour of duty. And when I finally was completely done at the end of two or three, I called him, I said, so hey, how long did you go before dad talked to you? And this is a running family joke. He goes, oh, I think about two years. And I said, well, four weeks down, only a hundred to go. And, you know, I make light of it because they were really rocky times, but I'm, I'm also thankful that as a family, we grew through them. I would say even my dad kicking and screaming did a small amount of growing. It's not easy, but it's also not fatal. Love it. I, I, that's a, a, what's, what's singing in my head right now is the thoughts of, you know, the dinner table conversations when there's family members that are in the business and family members that are not in the business and family gatherings and like, you know, and, and, and balancing those pieces. Um, Raj, you know, you spent all of your time in the, you know, in the business. How long were you, how long were you out of the business before you started your own company? When you, you, the company was sold, you lasted, you know, there was seven weeks. How long in between? I started mine right away. Right away. Okay. Yep. And yep. here's a question. I don't know the answer. Do you have ch children? I do. Yep. Got a couple of girls. And are any of them thinking about, interested in? Is it possible not, that this turns into? Not, not, sadly, not even remotely, I don't think. Um, I've had that conversation. Um, but no, I mean, at least right now, it doesn't, doesn't seem to be. I mean, our business is a little different than how it used to be, of course. But but uh, you know, I'll also add that I, I am, um, despite me wishing that I had worked for other another company for a period of time, I don't regret any of my my time in the 
in the business. I mean, it was a wonderful experience with my dad. Taught me a ton, which I'm using that knowledge now. Um, I will admit to being a little jealous of my younger brother who joined the business in his 20s for like the army term, like two years. I think he committed to two years for my dad. And sure enough, after that two years, he's gone on his own volition. But, um, you know, so he gets to try some different things. But it was um, really all good in, a, in, a, in an industry that I love and continue to enjoy. Do you mind if I, what does your brother do today? Uh, he's a, um, he's in marketing for an internet company and they do like um, SEO sort of placement for, for websites in, in, in Denver, Colorado. And he's doing really well at it. He's got that marketing blood in him. That's great. And, yeah. and but for him, it was never, it wasn't like one of those things where he felt no, never, to be there. never. I think he felt an obligation to our dad and said he would try it in sales and, you know, he was actually pretty good at it. He just, um, it just wasn't his love. Um, and he recognized that he didn't want to, he was very respectful of my position and all the, all the time, energy and pain that I had put into the business. He had no desire to take it or anything. Um, and even in a, you know, if there was going to be a succession part of it, he didn't want anything to do with ownership of it. He wanted that all to go to me. So it was a very unselfish view of, of kind of how it all played out. But in the end, it, it didn't matter because we sold. So yeah. Kim, when, you know, looking at, you have, you're the oldest of four, you said, mm-hmm. was how many were in the business? Did they, everybody do a stint in the family business? Are people still in there? What's, give, give yes. us a look. We're two and two. I have two siblings still in the business and I have a sibling who's uh, does corporate grant administration. I can't remember his latest title. I'm sorry. He's at RIT. So he, he did a bunch of things after he left. He's been in development and grant administration. And so yeah, two and two right now. And I, uh, so interestingly, my husband is also, his family has a family business, which he is not a part of. Uh, and our kids, I think, was so interesting. I don't think the oldest of our kids was even that deep into high school when they said, just to be clear, we don't ever want to work in a family business. <laughs> it's funny. It really, I mean, it's, you know, dad and I had an a very good, you know, relationship. It was still, it was different because, you know, the way he wanted to do the business was different than me. I, you know, I was all about, let's get into family dynamics. I was all into, you know, thinking about family office services and, you know, how do we help, you know, our family business owners with their largest asset? We don't want to just manage the money. We want to help them with the business. Dad's like, no, that's not what we do. And I'm like, you know, so that's where a lot of our, things came from was my vision and his vision were different. And um, it was interesting. He was, I had my parents on the show a couple episodes ago and with a family um, business therapist talking about their estate plan. And it was, uh, I called it family business unscripted. Um, So if you haven't listened to it, go back and find it. Um, It was, it was very interesting because when I was done, when we were done with that show, I got a, a text from dad that, you know, almost brought tears to my eyes. And it basically said, you're like a dog with a bone in a good way. You get an idea and, and you just persevere and you keep going with it. 
because you should be really proud of what you're creating. That's kind of, you know, you love what you, when, when you get those, when, when they come along. Um, it's 1248. And so we've got about 12 minutes left before we're, we're up. And that doesn't mean we can't end early, but you know, is, what are your thoughts? What, what's been going through your head? What's been triggered that I haven't asked a question about anything? That's great ground. Yeah, I think we, you know, we did a great job. If we hadn't gotten to it, I would have said, and, and so I'll just echo it. This idea of, um, I tell the kids all the time, very few decisions in life are truly fatal. Most things we can figure out. And I think that is a really good reminder. If somebody were listening to us and thinking about being in the family business, uh, Raj and I, great friends, different stories, a lot of dovetail and overlap and places where we've been able to support each other. You know, if you're feeling like, gosh, I wish, I wish my life were different or something, like, take comfort. You really can survive. I, I would go so far as to say that we both make a strong case that, and you too, you can thrive as the family business changes. And I just think that there's a lot of um, fear of the unknown. And so people do nothing or they move really slow or it's just, it's okay. Raj, for you, any parting words or th comments or things that you want to, you know, if you were sitting down with a family business owner right now that was two years into the business, what are you telling them? What, what do you think are the most important words of wisdom you'd share with them? Uh, well, I, you know, I, I, family business or not, it's still a business, right? And I, I think um, if, if um, long as you're happy in that business, you know, can continue on. I, I think, Kim, you said it about fear, and I know that I had, had this myself, right? Fear of leaving, fear of change, fear because you're in it for so long and you're doubly tied because you're a family member, but there is, um, there is opportunity outside that business. So I, I think I would say the same thing to a, a person just entering a business. You, you've got to have the passion to do it. Otherwise, you should do something else. Good advice. Tell us, um, in, if people were interested a little bit about Convergent, um, tell us about your business. Who do you serve? Who are your clients? And how do people get in contact with you if they'd like to? Sure. No, that's great. So Convergent is um, focused completely in the telecom space, businesses of all sizes. Um, when we had left, we changed the focus of the business to just um, do typically large-scale deployments. University of Virginia, University of Missouri, both are customers, they were 20,000 plus phones. So we helped project manage and deploy those. Um, those are multi-year type projects. Um, six months ago, the, the ironic twist is the company that purchased our company decided to close the doors. They went out of business. Um, the employees that used to work for me um, back in 2013 and bef decades before that voted my wife and I back on the island. So we have a smaller version of ourself. So in addition to the deployment side of the business that, that we have, we in the upstate and central New York area are selling 
premise-based phone systems, and now the more popular cloud-based systems. We have our own product called CloudTalk, which we're actually an operating telephone carrier. So, you know, it can be as small as a couple phones on up to hundreds or thousands. Um, and we supply um, that, you know, that service and, you know, on-site uh, support technicians, which is kind of different than people are doing it these days. So again, our, we've taken that love of telecom and it's still here. Uh-oh, are you on mute? And your website is? It's convergent.net. And Perfect. our number is 585-770-1000. Uh, Thank you very much. Kim, tell us about you know, the business that you're running today and how do people get a hold of you? Uh, Solution Partners is a company that does organizational transformation. We work with everybody from financially distressed to stagnant to companies poised to grow, mostly in the uh, closely held, family-owned, uh, not-for-profit spaces. Uh, it's a combination of organizational development, executive coaching, uh, outsourced C-suite. So maybe you need a CFO for four hours a week or um, you need some COO kind of resources that you don't have the ability to bring in-house full-time at you know, $150,000, $200,000 a year. Uh, if you want to find us, uh, we love to chat with new people. Make that I love to chat with new people. Uh, solutionpartnersinc.com is our website. And 585-259-1228 is our main number. And uh, it's been a lot of fun and very interesting. No two days are alike. Uh, I think the biggest thing that we find with the companies who find their way to us is that they know they need something, but they don't know what. And that's where I joke about that. I love to meet new people. I'm happy to chat because I'm not very ego driven. So a lot of times we can sit down and very quickly say, you know, you need X, Y, and Z. And that's not in our core wheelhouse, but we have this phenomenal network will help you find X, Y, and Z, and that can be a major turning point. Other times, absolutely, there's stuff that we're pitching or we're doing proposals on, uh, you know, project work and long-term, uh, more retainer-style agreements, but I think it's that idea that you really just have to have an interest in having a conversation. If you know that you want change, but you can't quite figure out how to get there, that's where we fill a space because we can help you with that conversation. Love it. Get you past talk. And then the family business forum still meets? We do. And so I would throw out, if you're listening to this and you're from the Rochester, New York area and part of a family business, um, I'm positive that, you know, Kim and Raj would uh, welcome you to, uh, to join. And I would throw to the both of you, you know, you know, my world was turned upside down and focus was totally different. If ever you need um, or would like um, me to pop in, um, I would be always happy to do that if you think I can add value at some point. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you all. Um, again, my name is Michael Columbus. This has been the Family Biz Show. Um, and if we can help you in any way, um, just feel free to reach out and ask us a question. We're happy to get together and, and speak to anybody. 
my network through, you know, the Purposeful Planning Institute and the family business, you know, workspace is national. Um, and I have, you know, friends that work internationally. So uh, happy to help you wherever you are. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Family Biz Show. We appreciate your time and trust to deliver the best guests and most cutting edge information to help you maximize your family business. Being part of a family is tough. Add a business to that and it gets even tougher. Tune in next week as we strive to ease your journey with The Family Biz Show. The content presented is for informational and educational purposes. The information covered and posted are views and opinions of the guests and not necessarily those of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Michael Columbus is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Financial Affiliates and other fine companies. Family Wealth and Legacy LLC is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.